This is East Lansing Insider, brought to you by ELI on Impact 89FM. In this show, we break down all of the news and happenings in the East Lansing community. And now, today's East Lansing Insider. Hello and welcome to another episode of the East Lansing Insider, a news podcast brought to you by East Lansing Info and Impact 89FM. My name is Andrew Graham. I am your host today. We're going to be doing a bit of a, a deeper dive discussion on the East Lansing City Attorney search and how it continues to stretch into the month of February and ongoing. I'll be joined by Eli reporter Al Hargrave, and we're going to talk about that. And then we'll get to a little bit of a news update at the end. So pretty straightforward show this week. Nothing too complex, but I think it's a good discussion and a good uh, dive into what's happened so far, where we're going and where we're at in the East Lansing City Attorney search. So Hope you enjoy listening, and let's get to Al. I'm here now with East Lansing Info reporter Al Hargrave. Al, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Andrew? I'm I'm pretty fine. It's a sunny day. It's Wednesday, and it's sunny in January, so I'm going to yeah, probably try to get outside at some point. I'll take it. I'd rather have the sun <laughs> and the cold. So we're here to talk about the city attorney search for the city of East Lansing, something that's been going on now since not technically July, because that was renegotiations with Foster Swift, but those fell through. So they really started the search sometime around the fall and it's still ongoing. It's something that both Al and I have covered. So I wanted to have her on so we could talk about it a little bit. I think the first, I guess, sort of place to broach or way I want to get into it is, did you think we would be sort of rolling into February with Foster Swift still as the city attorney, or did you, when you started covering this in, what was it, October, September, that you thought we would uh, maybe have a new city attorney by now? Yeah, well, this is the first I've ever been involved in following a city attorney search, so it's been really interesting for me to learn the whole process throughout it all, not to say that this is how it works for everyone. But um, yeah, I think it was October 1st that I got involved reporting for this search. And I had no idea that, you know, it would be, I think we're, it'll be four months at the end of January that they're going to be paying Foster Swift on a monthly basis um, without a cost cap. So, and I don't think that that was their intention either, but I think that I think it's interesting, you know, and a lot of it happened because they did decide to separate the roles of counsel versus prosecutorial. So I thought that was interesting. Um, And I, you know, think that that'll, I'm interested to see how that plays out for the next contract. Yeah. And I think it's important to, to not lose sight of, and I think I kind of didn't consider this fully, but the original intention was to keep Foster Swift as the city attorneys. Um, they wanted to renegotiate. They tried to renegotiate a contract and then it didn't work. So, you know, rewinding even back to 2020 and that predates your time with Eli Al, but when three city council members moved to fire Tom Yaden, he had been the city attorney and Tom Yaden and his firm and some of his associates, they had been representing the city of East Lansing for literally decades Yeah, I think 60 years is what you guys reported on. My and my parents' lifetimes, basically, I think is sort of how I consider it. Mm -hmm. And it's, I don't think they anticipated firing the longtime city attorney to hire a new one to then hire another one a year year after. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think they anticipated necessarily being in this point again. And I think, to me, part of the reason it's dragged out is that 
desire to and they, they haven't said it explicitly there's a you, you mentioned it there's a couple different points it's dragged out the deciding to split the contract and adding that addendum and bidding out prosecutorial services specifically right. that probably added about a month on its own but it seems there there is a true desire or intention or sort of very conscious effort among the members of council who were there for the last hire to go very slow and very deliberate with this one because they really don't want to be here in another year i don't think yeah it seems like they understand the importance of this and you know also want to consider a multi-year contract so so again another you know safety of not having to do this in another year so yeah it, it is really interesting to follow for sure. Well, and it's the lessons that I've sort of seen them learn from the last time around. I covered the last city attorney search, and I would say that's the big one, the, the not giving a one-year contract of if you just, you won't be here in a year if you sign somebody up for a two or a three or a four-year deal. Right. I mean, whether whether that has its own pitfalls remains to be seen, but I think that's, there's a lot of different directions to go with this one that I think they are more open to or sort of members of council have realized are more viable and that like the one year contract actually presents a lot of pitfalls. Right. Right. So where are we right now with council? Their next steps were to check references, negotiate rates and decide who is interested in multi-year contracts. Is that what I understand? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple things going on right now as we record, I believe. So it's, it's Wednesday, January 26th right now as Al and I are talking for the listeners and Council met last night on January 25th and basically outlined kind of their their top choices for each role. They're, they're, they seem pretty intent on splitting the roles and hiring or sort of creating two unique positions of a civil attorney to advise them and a prosecutor to handle 54B. And it seems like there's a real desire to keep on Robert Easterly with Foster Swift as the prosecutor. He has been doing that already for the city for the past year plus. And they basically just expressed, I say that because they kind of expressed their desires for who would be their top picks to hire as prosecutor, who would be their top picks to hire as city attorney. And then going into the city manager, will do some reference checks on those picks and do, I believe, do a little bit of preliminary discussion about the rates and what what's negotiable, what's movable, things about a cost cap, which was important last time. Mm-hmm. And what complicated it is that Councilmember Dana Watson wasn't present last night. Uh, Eli readers, frequent readers will know that this already got deferred from the January 18th meeting to this January 25th meeting because Jesse Gregg wasn't at the January 18th meeting. And so rather than defer it another meeting because Councilmember Dana Watson wasn't there this time, They put forth their sort of top two or three picks for each role. And then I believe what is happening is one of the council members will consult with Dana and get her her picks who sort of her top contenders. And then they'll they'll factor that into who they'll check references on. So, yeah, and it sounds like they had her permission to move forward. Yes. So, yeah, they, they went for it. She she was because she was at the last meeting. She knew what was happening at this meeting, so it wasn't like Correct. she got sort of left out of the process or anything like that. But mm-hmm. it was a little clunky, and there was a moment where I did think they were going to defer at another meeting, and I just yeah. <laughs> had to I mean, since they weren't making bombing, <laughs> they weren't making any decisions necessarily. I think yeah. this made the most sense to just list their top two or three is basically what each one did. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, ask 
Councilmember Watson what her top three is. So well, and it and it, it speaking of the, it's very clear at this point that it's going to stretch into February, paying Foster Swift on a month by month basis, and I don't think there's any desire to have that go into March if they can avoid right. it. So I think as much as this council wants to be deliberate and take their time with it, I think they're kind of at the point where they have been. Like we are watching them go through the deliberate time-taking phase right now, and yeah. they're kind of getting to the point where I think they feel like they might be against it a little bit more and do sure. need to pick it up. So I'm kind of curious how the phase after they check references go. And I mean, I suppose if you call and you get a bunch of terrible references, it makes it really easy to pare down yeah. the pool. But yeah, and it sounds like they're not going to call all of the references no. that they might choose a couple at random. So that will. <laughs> you know, give them a little yep. bit less work. Yeah, my time. understanding is that the city manager, George Lahanis, or city staff, I would assume city staff and him, it would seem unlikely to me that he's the only one making those phone calls, I would think. Probably some other people will right. listen to do that work. But it seems like he's going to call only a couple, maybe two or three references from each RFP response. So basically call two or three people references for each of the firms we should say, I guess we should say the firms that we know, we haven't mentioned yeah. that out loud, but the firms that are uh, going to be getting reference checks so far, we know are at least, so Robert Easterly, because he had a lot of interest as prosecutor, so his references will get checked, and then it Who was, was from also Foster and Swift. Foster Is Swift. That, yeah. Although his, his RFP and his role as city attorney, as far as I can tell, would be independent of Foster Swift if he got, got hired for But he does this have one. that experience from his... Yes, he's, he's today, right now, presumably doing city prosecutorial work on some right. level or this week. So there, there was a lot of desire to keep him because obviously he just literally can just keep doing the job right. um, with whatever small tweaks. So... He's going to get his references checked. It also looks like the Miller Johnson firm and the Giamarco firm will have references checked. And then one of, or perhaps both of Clark Hill and the Graywall law firm. But those depend on what gets sorted out with Dana Watson's picks. Right. But we're at about four both, now. That's for both prosecution and um, the municipal, yeah. municipal yeah, that's council. Just so all told. All together, yeah. Yeah, and so it's it's kind of an interesting mishmash because you get Councilmember Brookover, who just was Miller Johnson, Giamarco, Clark Hill. He's like, those are my three, both jobs. Let's negotiate with them or check their mm -hmm. references. He's just very straightforward. You have Jesse Gregg, who wanted to keep Easterly. That was her big thing. She was very clear. Like, I think he's done a good job. She and Lisa, Lisa Babcock were very much on the same page about they thought he's done a good job. The continuity appeals to them, so on and so forth. But then Jesse had Miller Johnson, Giamarco, and Clark Hill, the same three as Brookover, but only for the civil. And so it's kind of, it's gotten into an interesting math where, I believe it was six firms interviewed, and it appears that four or perhaps five of them might get their references <laughs> checked, when yeah. the whole purpose of this was to kind of pare down the reference checking so they wouldn't have to do it for all of them. And right. it appears there's a chance they're going to do it's Five hard when there's two different roles that they are exactly. deciding between could, it. Yeah. You could have a top three for each role and they would be completely different firms. And so then you still got to call references for six firms. Yeah. You're doing. And then I think negotiating rates will also be kind of up there because they do have, you know, that responsibility to keep it as fiscal as possible, you know? And so I, it did sound like as much as people want to keep Easterly, 
that his cap was a little bit higher than they would like yeah. it to be. Um, yeah. But again, they haven't negotiated rates. And it sounds like at the interviews that most of those being interviewed were very open to talking about that. Yeah. And that was council member George Brookover made that point a couple times last night as mm. council members when they were thinking about reference checks and, Oh, do we want to check these references? Cause those fees are high. And he kind of made the point of, you know, they all seemed like they're willing to negotiate. I don't think any of these fees are, you know, that's it. End of sentence. So he's, I think his take was if we like somebody, even if we're worried about their fees, check their references, ask them, Hey, where, like, where could you go on this? What, what could this get down to? Cause here's what we're looking at. And yeah, I think that that's going to be an interesting sort of factoring in of how this really gets pared down. Cause obviously the reference checks can kind of bad references make hiring decisions often quite easy. And they joked about that last night. If somebody gets a bad reference, it's kind of like, well, you're done. Yeah. So th that might narrow it down. We'll have to wait and see. And then I, I suppose if you know, they go to Robert Easterly and say, what can you do about the cost cap? And he goes, nothing, that's it. They might just punt. I doubt he would do that. He seems far too reasonable <laughs> in my dealings with him to just, you know, do all this work to get a job and then say, nah, actually. Yeah. But I think there's what happens next in the next two weeks before the next city council meeting with reference checks and sort of initial temperature taking on the rates, I think is actually going to do far more in winnowing down who might get hired than the kind of preferences of council. It's all that really came from the council preferences is that we know the the Conklin, the Casey Conklin law firm is not being seriously considered at this point, really. Yeah, that's that is basically it. But I mean that, yeah. that, the definitive <laughs> overarching conclusion from this podcast, everybody, is that the Casey Conklin law firm will not be hired to be East Lansing City Attorney. <laughs> they will everything not be getting remains, their reference checks. Everything else remains up in the air. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to ask you, Al, because you and I both sat through the bulk of the interviews. You were not um, you were not at the Clark Hill one last week because that was Emily, Joan Elliott, and I. But just sitting through those interviews, what was your what was your takeaway? <laughs> uh, they were long. That was a, that was a lot of interviews. Um, you know, listen to the same questions five different times. But I thought it was interesting. I was really impressed by you know, quite a few of them. And again, I have never been a, a part of this process, even from the outside. So I think that it sounded like council was going to value diversity and whoever they hire. And so I'm interested to see how that plays out as well, because that that was a lot of a theme in the interviews, um, but I haven't necessarily heard about it since then. You know, right now it's references right. and rates. Um, so, you know, and, and they all did, did well answering those questions. So that could be the end of it. But I am curious to see, you know, who, who's chosen based off of those interviews because, you know, I have my own preferences. <laughs> well, and I was, I was going to, I should add here that you're a, uh sort of ultimate career goal or sort of hope is to become a lawyer. So Right, well, and I actually just got into MSU Law School. Well, congratulations on uh, Thank you. <laughs> your acceptance to MSU Law. So as a as an aspiring lawyer, as a as an L <laughs> L minus one or something. Yeah. Um L zero. What, what was yeah, what was your takeaway from sort of that that side of the law, I think when I imagine the law, I think of, you know, Perry Mason in the courtroom and all that. But I yeah. think it, like there, there's so much more, way, so many more ways to practice law than I think 
we kind of yeah. imagine. I'm just curious the, if you're watching take the on interviews that. definitely made it seem like the more mundane part of being a lawyer, um, which I'm sure is a lot of a lot of the part of it. Um, so most but jobs. I, yeah, but I learned yeah, that's true. I learned a lot. You know, I, I walked away like looking up looking up a bunch of stuff, but uh, I don't think being a city attorney is in my future. Uh, very interested in watching the process for sure regardless so maybe uh maybe go do a paralegal stint yeah. and then uh move on yeah. to some some different pastures but yeah yeah i think you it's it's fascinating it's fascinating too because it's it's an area of law that it's sort of all the areas of law and none of them kind of at once is right because you're it's you're the the lawyer for a city and a city does any number of things from closing roads to assessing taxes to making sure your toilets flush and the water yeah. goes somewhere else to prosecuting and criminals to prosecuting yeah, people exactly they're, they're doing a lot and so i think it's fascinating to see the different sort of depths and the different sort of expertises various firms might have because i know mm -hmm. giamarco was very they liked I think a lot of their municipal side but there was concern with the prosecutor and their choice for the lead prosecutor she was going to be spending a lot of time in east like southeast Michigan in courts and just being here would be challenging and sort of because she has aspect. a lot of experience and but yeah she's a good prosecutor yeah. but it means she's busy right exactly and, and so I think the the sort of balancing of well who's good at what here what are you guys good at what do we need from a lawyer and what will you be able to provide what you're good at? Because she's probably a very good prosecutor. You don't get hired to do all that work if you're not mm -hmm. knowing what you're doing. But by virtue of her being a really good prosecutor, are you going to get her in the 54B as much as you need? And right. so I think it's this really layered, complex question of you need to hire a good lawyer and you need to hire a varied team of lawyers, kind of. And you also need them to be affordable and they also need to be available and they also mm -hmm. need to be like it's it's so yeah much deeper than just you know hiring a lawyer to represent you in like a, a real estate case or right. you know to to fight a parking ticket <laughs> or something yeah um, absolutely I, I think it's you're hiring a general counsel and that's way bigger than i need a trial lawyer or i need you know somebody to handle this transaction or any one specific thing because i think at least from my my very young man perspective it tends to be easier to find somebody who's really good at one thing and figure that out than it mm -hmm. is to sort of assess somebody's ability to do a job holistically well until you've seen them do it or not. Right. And so it's, and that's it's, why it's... I was impressed with all these uh, applicants because they did seem to just have a wide range of experiences, which is why they were applying for this role. So. Yeah, and I think there's a there's a value too to having a big firm like that. That was a, a topic that came up when they were hiring last time around. If there was appeal of Foster Swift of like, oh, there's this wealth of expertise. They have plenty of you know. If we need an expert on X, they probably have an attorney for that. Mm -hmm. And so that's very valuable. But that tends to cost a lot of money right. to have a really big firm and you know lean on all that. And then also the really big firms tend to have lots of other clients. And so, you know, has that shifted their preference back to, do they want a bit of a, a smaller firm or do they want somebody who's going to be able to like, we can tap someone on this bench or is it, we want to be able to go to this person all the time. I'm kind of curious to see 
I think we'll see more discussion on that at the next council meeting when this comes up, but I'm kind of very curious to see where council members are at in terms of the sort of firm or the sort of mode of representation they want, if that makes sense, of sort of, do they want the more local mom and pop, which would be maybe a little more easterly Greywall or the high-priced Detroit lawyers (laughs) or whatever, to sort of make a joke about it necessarily explicitly heard them discuss that yeah, i don't you? know where they all yeah. sit on that either yeah, so i'm, I'm kind of sure. curious i think i think there's probably a bit of reticence from the people who hired foster swift to maybe just go with another big firm but i don't know that i mean maybe i know they've <laughs> been generally pleased with a lot of the work that Easterly's done with foster swift but some of the municipal side stuff has been a little slower and not it just not quite at the level they would desire or need. So I'm very curious how that experience and that hiring process sort of shaped the members of council who were there, which would be Lisa, Lisa Babcock, Ron Bacon, Jesse Craig, and Dana Watson, George Brookover, funnily enough, applied to be city attorney mm-hmm. last time around and did not get hired. So now he is hiring the city attorney. So I think he, he probably, probably has, has the most good, interesting perspective yeah, on this. A good perspective curious for to see sure. him let on a little bit more at the next meeting. Is there anything we didn't cover, Al? I feel like we kind of talked about a lot of things here. Not that I can. I think we covered a lot. I got the contemplative head head wag <laughs> nod. Like, no, I, think, I think we got it. So I think we got it. Yeah, I wanted, wanted to go with a bit of a, a lighter lift on our end in terms of an episode, but something that's still very important and ongoing in the city of East Lansing. And as far as I recall, we didn't really get a chance to report on the interviews that we attended. We kind of watched them because we knew we needed to see them. So I think it's a, this is a good medium for sort of just talking about that, that whole experience, because it's not, it's not the most reportable and hard copy, but I think it's, we each took something away from it. Right. Yeah. And hopefully some future reporting will have some conclusions and we'll have a new city attorney by the end of February. There will, Fingers there will assuredly be more reporting on eastlansinginfo.news about this from myself in the very short term and probably myself and Al in the medium to long term. So check that out. And Al, once again, it's Al Hargrave from East Lansing Info. Al, thank you for joining me. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Once again, thank you, Al, for joining me on pod and having a nice discussion about the city attorney search in East Lansing. I think it's always something worth discussing, and I hope you guys, the listeners, took something away from that. Now I want to get into a quick news update to end the show. So we'll start with East Lansing Schools. They are getting some notable facilities upgrades. The football stadium at least East Lansing High School will be renovated to have a new playing surface and improvements to the stadium. Additionally, the tennis courts in front of the high school are also getting a touch-up with a new surface slated to be put down. Beyond athletics, there are going to be outdoor learning spaces built at the six elementary schools in the district. These spaces are being paid for with about $3 million of leftover bond money. The spaces themselves will be the same at each of the schools and feature a pavilion with a water basin, all designed to be interactive and educational. Elsewhere in East Lansing, City Council passed a law banning nepotism in city employment. Now family members of the city manager or council members cannot be employed by the city with exemptions for the library and 54B district court. That measure passed council with little debate, though Councilmember Lisa Babcock and George Brookover indicated that there might be future interest in prohibiting nepotism at the library and district court, too. And beyond City Council, East Lansing's boards and commissions have been put on hold until January 11th due to COVID concerns, but no one has answered who, exactly, made that decision. 
Eli has inquired several times and not gotten a straightforward answer. In the meantime, anyone with business before the Planning Commission, Zoning Board of Appeals, Parks and Recreation Commission, or any other city body that isn't council is waiting until mid-February to get going. In other news, a federal medical team of up to 25 healthcare workers is being dispatched to Sparrow Hospital in Lansing to help support the heavily strained healthcare system. The team from the federal government will be a mix of personnel, doctors, nurses, and more, and are coming at the request of Governor Gretchen Whitmer. The Albert L. Fresco is also on track to make a comeback this summer. City Council approved the road closure of Albert Street from late April until early September. The hope is to run the El Fresco longer and allow Michigan State University students to enjoy the amenity. But it was, a, it was not a unanimous decision at Council, with George Brookover opposing the road closure until Council had more concrete data to make decisions from. He was, however, outvoted 3-1, to one, as Council Member Dana Watson was absent. And one last lighter fun story to get to here is the consideration of opening up the city of East Lansing's livestock law to allow the keeping of ducks, goats, and or sheep currently already allows for chickens, but it did not seem likely that city council is interested in expanding the livestock ordinance. So if you have been eyeing a billy goat, I, uh, I apologize. It does not seem likely that you will be able to adopt a goat. Chickens, however, do remain allowed in the city of East Lansing. That's all we've got for this week's episode. Nothing too crazy, nothing too complicated, but I hope it was informative and uh, helped you, the listener, learn a little bit more about East Lansing City Attorney Search and have a bit of a better grip on what's going on around the city. And as always, you can check out eastlansinginfo.news for more on this and all the stories I mentioned at the end and plenty of other reporting that I do not mention on this show. There's just too much for me to fit in, so... Highly encourage that. And once again, thanks to our partners at Impact 89 FM. This has been the East Lansing Insider. I'm your host, Andrew Graham, and thank you for listening. East Lansing Insider is brought to you by ELI on Impact 89 FM. We are on the web at eastlansinginfo.news and impact89fm.org. Thanks for listening.